Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 266th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton of K-Barton Tools. I'm here with my co-host, Sean Wisniewski of The Corner Workshop. And tonight we're asking Caleb James the five questions. So thanks again for visiting with us, Caleb. And first question. Absolutely. No, not a problem. First question to you is how did you get into woodworking? How did I get into woodworking? Um, Well, I guess as far as like interest in woodworking, um, I would have to say it was really through my father. Uh, my, My dad was a house framer. Uh, he, he wasn't doing fine woodworking per se, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, he did a lot of the woodworking like, you know, in, in a typical home, wasn't building any furniture, but yeah, you know, he, I remember him having a bracing bit out in the shop and, and the hand plane and the seeing the shavings and stuff. So that's probably where I first got my interest in woodworking as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but as far as woodworking, doing furniture uh, type pieces uh, would have been a shop class, seventh grade shop class. I can still remember building a stool from, uh, you know, your, uh, I think there was a nearby cabinet shop that would bring all their cherry and, you know, nice cutoffs and, and uh, we could build stuff, you know, and I remember building a stool and, uh, you know, just doing this simple router around it, doing a, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the belt sander and stuff. So, that's I think that's where it really clicked that that was something that I enjoyed and and that I always kind of knew I was going to take time to do that, get back to doing that. Um, and so, um, you know, I think we talked about this yeah. a little bit on the, the previous one, but, you know, building furniture for your house right. um, and stuff like that. But, uh, uh, you, you know, as far as is, is probably people are curious, how did I get into this for a living doing it as work? Um I, I had ran a business for about eight years, and uh, so it was back when the economy started, you know, took a little turn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, like a what lot kind of, of business was it? I, I had uh, my brother and I had a very odd business. It's it's a little bit uh, uh, probably not real straightforward to explain, but essentially what we would do is we would restore uh, a very high end kitchen of equipment, and oh. uh, and and we. We got into restoration, but then we ended up getting into buying and selling and things like that. And and so uh, we had a, a fairly good size uh, business, and we would sell uh, through eBay. Believe it or not, uh, was a pr- uh, was a primary source. And of course, being I was in the Houston market, so we had a lot of you know potential right there. But um, mm-hmm. we we mainly sold to a lot of people who who bought homes and would uh, restore the kitchens, you know, or, uh, or remodel the kitchens. And so they would invest a lot of money in the kitchens and then turn around and, and flip the house. And, wow. um, so we, we had a, tr- we had a really great, uh, business, you know, I really enjoyed doing it. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, so it, it was something that I was, uh, that I was, it really fit me in, 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 in our, in, with my mindset and stuff. And, but when the economy and the housing market really tanked, uh, we, you know, we stuck in there, we had a re- really good mm-hmm. business model, but after about three years of, uh, keeping our business running. And when we finally got to a point where I said, uh, where I said, you know what, everything's good and stable again, everybody's good to go. I'm not going to walk away and not have any of my friends, you know, having a good solid job, you know, you get really close to people you work with. And, um, I, but I, my second uh, uh, daughter was coming along and I said, you know what, 
I want to do something where I'm not working 50, 60 hours a week or more. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I want to be at home. I want to be uh, near my family and just have as much quality time and engagement with them that I could possibly have. And so the only thing I knew, as I said, I know I can do furniture. I've had people uh, very interested in it. People offer to, to, for me to make them furniture. And um, so I, I sold a few pieces and kind of tested the water enough to know that it was something that was uh, plausible. <laughs> it did seem a little <laughs> bit crazy, but for somehow to me, I thought, you know what, this will work. And I just, yeah. I just knew that in my, my mind, even though I'm pretty certain some of my family members and other people thought it was insane that I was walking away from <laughs> uh, a good solid business yeah. to, to do something like this. You know? <laughs> it's probably like somebody going, you know, probably like somebody, you know, I, I'm an attorney, but I'm going to quit and be a writer or something. I don't know, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know some folks like that, and uh, m most times it turns out very well for them because, uh, yeah, they have the drive to make that happen. So that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. So what – and this is going to be interesting from a tool maker, but what is your favorite tool? Oh, what is my favorite tool? You know, it's probably got – it probably has to be the draw knife. Um you know, I, I, I guess it's closely connected with my next favorite tool, a spoke shave. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it, the, the draw knife, you know, I guess the simple one, you know, you might say a chisel because you can do so many things with it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I love the draw knife, you know, from the mm -hmm. very first moment I got one and I sat in a shave horse and, you know, and you're peeling off those shavings. And the the uh, how wood uh, works is immediately apparent to you because – if you don't know what going against the grain is at that point, you do when you grab a draw knife and you put it against the wood because yeah. you can't help. But the, the wood tells you, hey, the grain is here or it's not here. You know if you're going against it or if you're going with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just fun. It feels it feels like you're Superman when you're when you're peeling off right. big shavings, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the results are so immediate, even though yeah. initially it feels crude. And then once you get to know the tool and then you can see how uh, – fine ever results you can get from from that tool too i think that's something that's uh pretty awesome i i, t I was telling somebody once because uh, i make you know making when i was making a lot of coffin smoothers and i remember the first time mm -hmm. i made one it's got this chamfer that that curves around the body and uh, i kind of laugh about it now because i remember thinking well how am i going to do that well so i set it up in the vice and i grabbed my draw knife and i started cutting that chamfer because um that curving chamfer that, that goes along mm -hmm. there because that was the tool at that point that I'd almost become most comfortable with um, when it was, you know, when it wasn't something straight and flat. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of laugh now and I think back, why didn't I just grab the spoke shave or a scraper or something? I don't know. Doesn't that seem kind of dangerous, you know? Um, but yeah, I guess that has to be my favorite tool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I love the draw knife too. Yeah. Every time I sit down the shave horse, I can, Still hear uh, Peter Galbert uh, going, skew and slice, skew yeah. and slice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, that's the uh, trick. Yeah. yeah, that's that is the trick with that tool. But uh, yeah, and it, it's it's fabulous because you can get uh, such rough results uh, when needed, and then such fine little shavings when 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 that's needed. So. Anyway, but um, with that, so who has influenced you the most in your woodworking? 
Yeah, um, that's that's a good question. I I think uh, I probably see it from two perspectives. Um, mm-hmm. As far as maybe who most influenced my um, my furniture design and and direction of, of of what I like to make when it comes to that would probably without an exception would probably have to be Hans Wegner. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in the, the more that uh, I studied his work and I think we, we were talking about his, his book uh, or the book that covers yeah. a lot of his, his uh, work, uh, One Good Chair, um, you really can even that's a good example of how you can see uh, a person who, who uh, studied all these different uh, designs from different cultures and took those and said, how can I boil them down to the essence of what they are and produce something very simple and clean mm-hmm. without much ornamentation? And so a sense, so in a sense, you kind of unknowingly me being so drawn to his designs really is, um, is, is saying that I'm interested in all kinds of designs from around the world and the different ways they decided to try to put together a chair Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's really kind of what he did, you know, is, is the wishbone chair is, um, oh. you know, is, is really like a um, can't remember the name of it, but it's a Chinese memorial chair mm-hmm. uh, that they use or his, um, you know, his ladder back lounge chair. Well, that's a direct take on on shaker ladder back chairs, um, you know, his CH25 lounge chair. Well, that's essentially an Adirondack chair, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you can go through each piece like that. And really see how it was derived from uh, some particular culture, culture's method or influence or, or their design solution for creating a seating piece. And so, yeah, I, I really enjoy looking at uh, the designs he developed. And I, I think it, uh, they say eventually he, they put into production about 300 chair designs that he did. So that tells me that he did more than 300 chair designs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if they put if they put that many into production, production there's just yeah. there's there's just so much to kind of delve into and look yeah. into, um, which I think is pretty cool. And he comes from a different perspective in that where you know a lot of us craftsmen here we're just we're designing a piece, but then we're also making it, and so we're spending a lot of our time making it. Where he spent most of his time uh, designing pieces, producing the prototype, and then he would hand off the production to a factory, so he'd go right back to design and development and stuff, which is Mm-hmm. uh in some ways kind of the funnest part you know yeah so um yeah Do you know if but there's that, a catalog of his designs you know like you um, said they put 300 in production i can imagine he came up with various designs that probably were great but you really couldn't produce them in a mass scale or something like that well yeah you know and, and the, i don't know of a catalog but you know mm. the, the the thing that the the danes their philosophy was um I forget they had a particular uh, phrase for it, but at the closest I can come up with is something like repetition on a design. And so they would they would uh, make incremental changes, you know, and so they would take something and make a little tweak, make a little tweak and make a little tweak. And eventually you would get something that started you know, way over here and then it ends up being something totally different. But maybe even somewhere along the way, they end up picking up design elements from a different piece that they designed. And so before you know it, they have all these different designs that are uh, they're subtly different, but they are different. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's very interesting um, the way they do. I see that in Burn Chandley's work. Uh, anyway, that's going off. Oh, yeah. Of course mm-hmm. there. But but he's a good oh, example man. of somebody. Those subtle time changes, uh, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, as we record this, where it's just an opening in his class with Pete, and as there's any way I could get up to near Maine, I would be there next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was supposed to be up there with with that group of them a oh. couple of weeks ago with Greg and everybody, and uh, th- I had three different things come in and just like kill my whole plan oh. for being away. I know I was yeah. I was dying. I said I yeah, can't even yeah, look at the yeah. post this week. I'm supposed to be up there eating lobster and yeah. shellfish with these guys and. Yeah, some yeah. of the designs Burn is coming up with are just outstanding. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's doing a, a very. I'm very impressed with how he he's working as a craftsman. Very yeah. impressed. Yeah. But but I'll hold you. So you said that was one of your influences. But... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, so the other one really would have to be Pete Pete Gal, Pete, Peter Galbert. Um, mm-hmm. And and probably because um, you know he's he really has become. Uh, like a mentor for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, from the first time I, I took a class with him and he's, he's the only person I've ever paid to take a class with. Um, I, but I, I think I, uh, you know, a lot of people read his blog and stuff and I could just go, you know what? Um, I feel like I could learn something from this guy. I, and whenever I took a class from him, um, it was less to do with how to make a Windsor chair. And it was so much more to do with I knew I was launching off into a new career and I said, well, it seems like this guy has got something that's working. I want to pick his brain on how, how do you be a successful furniture craftsman? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think because our minds work a lot alike, you know, I think we think along in the same vein, mm-hmm. um, you know, we clicked early on and he's, he's just been, he's somebody who is willing to take the time and help people who are in the craft progress. And you, yes. anybody who has observed what Pete does, he does that. You know, he's done it with Claire, he's done it with Tim, he's done it mm-hmm. with Charlie. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. And mm-hmm. he really, he comes from that vein of woodworking. That's what I, something I love about Windsor Chairmakers. You know, you got people like Curtis Buchanan, uh, Dave Sawyer, and you know, Dave kind of being the the the, the, the forefather of, of us all in a way of the Windsor Chairs. <laughs> that you know, there and yeah. then with with the influences of Curtis and. Curtis's influence on Peter and myself and, you know, um, just, you know, I, I've really enjoyed this, this aspect of, of woodworking that I never anticipated. And, and there is a unique connection with the Windsor chair makers that I see, even, you know, Greg Pennington over there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no fear in sharing. There's never been a reluctance um, to get, take your plans. You know, I, like I said, I wouldn't yeah. I, uh, when I was with Pete up there taking that first class and, you know, a couple of days in, I told him, hey, you know, well, I'm trying to do woodworking for a living. And he was kind of like, well, why didn't you tell me this? We could have been talking about this the whole time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, he, he went into his house and took a stack of drawings, brought them out, laid them on the bench and said, Caleb, copy any anything and everything you want and, and go make these, you know, um, and just that sort of generosity. But, you know, he, he got a lot of that, too, from Curtis and from, from right. Dave Sawyer. Um, you know, nobody ever really felt like I own this, you know, as though they invented it, you know, mm. and, and that that reflects a I think a great deal of humility. There's there's there can be a lot, uh, I think, too much ego and um, uh, almost like I invented the wheel. You know, it's like, no, no, you're just you have a different version of the wheel. You, you didn't invent it. I don't think you need to own it that aggressively, you know. Right. And so so I love the freedom of the sharing of like, I want you to be successful and. Something I've heard Curtis say is, is if you're good enough to make these, you should be doing this. 
And, and there's not, there's not a fear of like, well, somehow you're going to take any of my business away. And I've tried to reflect that in the same way. I, you know, I've dealt with, uh, with others, you know, people have come to me, some that are doing it now, uh, professionally, uh, making planes and stuff. Hey, Caleb, what's this? What's that? I try to answer and share what I know. Um, so that if you are good enough, you should be doing it. There are enough people out there, um, uh, that, that, that want well-made things that, uh, you know, and, and I'm not trying to run a big business. Well, I'm just trying to feed myself and my family. Right. There's, there's enough out there for me. I don't ever have to worry about that. Uh, you do good work and, and there's somebody that will want to pay for it. And so I just, I just enjoy that, that I have found that in the, in the community that I've, in the corner that I've, I've found myself in. And Pete is definitely one of those people and, and somebody I've always been able to turn to, uh, whether it's furniture, most of the time when we talk, it's not about furniture, you know, it's about how it is to be in the craft and, and live and work and make this work. So, uh, yeah, he's been a big influence on me. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Oh, definitely. So, so what has been your biggest stumbling block? Uh, biggest stumbling block. You know, I, I, I knew that question was coming and when I thought about it, uh, I had a hard time coming up with something and I don't know if it's, um, I think every business has challenges, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I think maybe my mindset, when I look at them, I see them as challenges and not something that I, that I can't overcome. So, but there's lots of challenges in businesses, right? But I think as far as like, what can be the, can be a big challenge in being a craftsman, I think probably the biggest one that a uh, somebody who wants to do an art for a living really is finding finding the right sweet spot between the business and the art. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And and th- I think that's the hardest thing to do where you feel good because let's be honest we don't we don't do the art for the money. Right. You know, it, it, unless it ultimately feeds us something else, the satisfaction of the art or the process, then why are we doing it? You know, mm. I could I could if it was purely for money. Right. So you so you can't totally ignore the art and say it's just about business, because if it's just about business. I, I would be working for some corporation or some other company that would pay me for my skills I have, but could pay me better. <laughs> so. It's, it's finding that sweet spot. And then once you and, and along with that is getting that work that you are doing in front of the people that want it. And that's what I've told uh, a lot of guys that will come and ask me questions or whatever. I'm at some of these woodworking events. How do I do this? And I say, well, listen, you know, there's there's work in learning the craft, but that information is out there how to do it. And you can build the skill with time. But you need to figure out how to get in front of the people who want to buy what you want or that you want to make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some, some might, somebody might say, what do you think about this, Caleb? Do you like this design or whatever? And I, ultimately, I say, listen, it, 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 can, it may not appeal to me at all, but the craftsmanship is good. There is somebody that is like you and that likes your design. So ultimately, how do you get that in front of that person? Once you find out that avenue, then you're probably going to do fine. You do good work. You make designs for people who like those designs. Um, and then you find the right balance between producing something that people want and that you want to make. 
if you can overcome those two obstacles there, then you're probably going to be able to be a working artist and make a living at it. And you probably won't have any trouble and you'll probably mm. be able to charge prices that give you a pretty decent living. You know, nobody, I don't, there's very few people I think that can really, you know, you're not going to be rich being a woodworker, right. but, but, but there's not really a reason why you can't make a, a decent living. Mm. And, um, you know, yeah. 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 And I think, I think you had a lot of insight into that, at least coming from being a business owner into the craft of, being a professional, yeah, I don't know, woodworker or toolmaker, something like that. Yeah, yeah, but that that you you've seen the other side of the store. You've seen the pure business side of it. So yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. I I definitely feel like I had a huge advantage there, and mm-hmm. and and one of the one of the dangers that I see happen, excuse me, that I see happen sometimes with people that um they're going into a venture. They've never been a business owner. Mm. And maybe even if they have for a little bit, but you're so passionate about your idea, you invest everything into that. Mm. And, uh, and, and I warn people, listen, this, um, (laughs) I've, I've, I've learned over and over again that what you think sometimes is incredible is is awesome. Nobody else gets it. Nobody else wants it or whatever. You just can't make it. And if you invest everything in that, guess what? You don't have anything less to invest in anything else. Right. So, so test the waters, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and then also don't, in the same vein, don't be afraid to try out things that you don't think may necessarily be something really great because you might stumble into something and go, wow, people are really into this. And, And, and just the right dynamics all sort of line up and they work out really well for, you know, that sweet spot of, mm-hmm. of being profitable, yet being something you want to do. Spoke shave, like I spoke, uh, what I talked about earlier, ha- yeah. happened to be one of those designs I never, I never saw coming. Um, you know, of course, hey, why, I would love to make that tool. I love, who doesn't like a spoke shave, right? But, um, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. in businesses, in my business in the past, that, that I, that proved true so many times. So uh, just don't get to, and this is why a lot of people do well having an investor, you know, because investors mm-hmm. are always thinking about money. They're not right. passionate about what mm-hmm. you're so passionate about. And they usually see past the emotion and, and see whether it's a good money thing. But as an artist, you that's you don't have that person. Maybe, maybe your spouse is your good one to bounce yeah. it off of. Sometimes they're not. It's probably more likely another craftsman that, um, right. that, yeah. that probably can see it from a different perspective. Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's good I, to have those guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. As I was telling someone earlier today. Uh, please keep the comments coming because I can get rather myopic. <laughs> you know, well, you, yeah. you know th- that's why I um, – yeah. that's actually why I checked yeah. out Instagram for, uh, yeah. in the very beginning is because uh-huh. I said, you know what? Uh, maybe I'll get about 300 people that will follow me eventually, and I can throw something new up there and get some immediate feedback on it. Yeah. <laughs> How many ever years ago it was that we jumped on there? That's, that's why I thought, oh, this, this Instagram might, might work out good for that. <laughs> Quick feedback. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Wow. Well, uh, with that, um, I think you might have just answered our, my next question. But uh, so, how has the internet influenced your work? <laughs> well, um, I think as uh, we, we in our uh, in another discussion we had, um, you know, my 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 previous business experience was uh, closely connected with the internet. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 my business was heavily involved with, with, with internet and internet sales and interacting with people. So uh, naturally, when I went into uh, woodworking, I was selling my stuff on Etsy. 
which uh, I know I, I spoke at the time, you know, I was speaking to people who did furniture and they said, I can't sell anything on Etsy. But I think because I have the skills of knowing how to market things on the Internet and mm-hmm. how to interact with people and how to appeal with people in just the right way. And I understood how to ship big, bulky items over long distances and <laughs> get them there safely and get them there at a cheap, you know, inexpensive rate. Yeah. I don't know how I don't know how many other woodworkers I've talked to about shipping stuff and you know, it helped them figure out like, man, if you do this ABCD, you know, because we were shipping constantly, you know, you, you just know all those little avenues and it. So that helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for the internet, uh, I would not have a business. I mean, I, that's that's how clearly I feel about it. Uh, if I had to rely on going to uh, the the woodworking conventions or you know the uh, to demonstrate at uh, Lee Nielsen events and things like that for mm-hmm. uh, my clients. Uh, you know, I, there's just no way I could sell enough product to to be able to, to have a, a, a business that sustains myself and my family. So, yeah, the Internet's crucial. And, of course, I started out doing blogging. Um, I don't remember whatever year that was, 2010 or 2009, somewhere in there. I started blogging, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that, that opened up uh, to people that I really didn't see, even though I was familiar with the Internet. I knew blogging was a thing. But uh, it was almost just a way to sort of go and talk out my thoughts and sort of put into words what I was learning, right. what I was doing, uh, which always helps a person really solidify what am I, you know, you kind of boil things down whenever you start speaking and you have to write it out. So that was beneficial. But that got me connected with other people in the community, uh, which was good. And it got me known to people when I didn't know I was maybe being uh, observed or whatever or um, – <laughs> So, so, so that worked yeah. out well when I met people like, uh, Chris Schwartz, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I had, I had no idea that he had any I- inkling who me, little Caleb was over here doing woodworking. Uh, but you know, he had been reading my blog and stuff and, uh, you know, gave me a, uh, a very nice, you know, promotion, uh, you know, on, on, uh, just put a post or two out on his blog and really sent a lot yeah. of, uh, uh, traffic my direction, which, uh, and then your uh, instant back order status. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, it, the meeting yeah. Chris, meeting Chris came along right when I was really, really yeah. seriously thinking about transitioning from, from mm-hmm. furniture making to tool making. So it's just kind of a perfect, perfect timing uh, uh, to, to meet up with him and to, to be making uh, some of the side, uh, the side B planes that I was starting to make. He happened to want one and uh, apparently a lot of people wanted them. <laughs> so I uh, made hundreds of those. Yes, yes, yes. And unfortunately I didn't get one of those. Damn it. <laughs> I, you know, if there's, if there's one side escapement tool that I, yep. that I would love to make, it would, it would be a three sixteen side beat plane. Those are just, um, I'd buy they're, they're one fun. right now. They're, they're, they're fun. <laughs> they're, fu- they're fun to make. They're fun oh, to make yeah. and they're fun to use, you know? Yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah, I got a um, I got an eBay reject that looked pretty good, but then when I got it, it was just like, ah, and I needed to get something out right away, and so you know I did the only thing I could do at that point in time and just bought a damn router bit. But yeah, uh, I, I'd I'd love to have one that that would actually uh, would actually work, but of course. Um, uh, yeah. So if, if you made those again, I would certainly I'll, buy one. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. You, you have one sale. One. Sale. One sale. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you would have plenty more. But with that, so uh, so uh, Caleb, so where can folks find you on the interwebs? 
So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, Instagram. So you can find me at Caleb James Maker. Um, and then th- that's, that's the same one for my website, calebjamesmaker.com. Um, and that, that's pretty much where you can find all the information or how to reach out to me. And uh, if, I, if I don't have my head down in production mode, uh, I'm usually pretty quick about getting back to you on email. Uh, but, yeah, com- comment on one of my posts on Instagram, and, and then you can get in contact with me pretty quick. Fantastic. Sean, where can folks find you? Uh, as usual, I'm at Sean W78 on most every social media. And you, Kyle? And you can always follow me on uh, Barton.Kyle on Instagram, the only social media platform that matters. And that just about wraps it up for this show. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. And uh, while you're there, um, leave us a review. And thank you, as always, for listening to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to visit us at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or on Twitter at MWA underscore national, or Instagram, the most important social media, at MWA underscore podcast, or like us on Facebook. The best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way to sharing our discussion.